The world of high-performance sports is constantly evolving. As the level of competition gets higher and the pressure to perform intensifies, knowing where to go to develop the knowledge, networks and skills that will lead to more impactful performance solutions becomes even more important for individuals and teams. That's where this podcast hopefully comes in. Here on the Leaders Performance Podcast, you'll hear thought-provoking conversations with practitioners, senior coaches, athletes and sporting directors, the individuals at the top of their game. My name is Henry Breckenridge. I work in the content team here at Leaders and joining me for this episode is friend and colleague, John Porch. John, how are you? I'm very well, Henry. Thank you for asking. Just been enjoying the great summer of sport. What about you, though? You seem busy whenever I've looked across the desk and seen you. Well, it's certainly busy here at Leaders HQ, John. We're, as you know, programming a lot of our events and upcoming Leaders meets. So it's all systems go here in London. But I'm excited to get stuck into today's episode, John, which is sponsored by Kaiser, and it's a special for multiple reasons. It's a triple header, Henry, with Toulouse FC, French Cup winners last season in their first season back in the French top flight. First up is Damien Camoli, the club president, known to some of our listeners, no doubt, who is keen for the club to not be seen as one season wonders. The proof will be in the pudding this year, and last weekend, League One season started, they beat Nantes away 2-1, so the signs are looking good anyway. Certainly are, John. Who else did we speak to? Who was second on the agenda? Second is Selenai Gergench Kamoli, the head of strategy and culture, who is also, as we know, known as Damien's truth teller. And she said that thinking differently is the only path to success, and she talked about the club's approach to outthinking their opponents. It's not to be missed. The president, the truth teller, who rounded things off, John? Well, last but by no means least was Julian Demeaux, Toulouse's head of data. Now, his background is actually in aviation, and he talked about the relative immaturity of data usage in football, something he's hoping to exploit with the club. And his speciality is giving Damien and Selenai the information they need to keep the ship on course. A trio of perspectives on this episode, which is sponsored by Kaiser, of course. And it was a great conversation, John, to get a real flavour and a real kind of insight into the inner workings of a, of a high performance group. So without further ado, let's get into the conversations. First up was Damien, as we spoke about. And we started off by asking him about the French Cup and the celebrations that ensued. Enjoy. It's huge for the city, for the fan base, for our community, for the, the region, uh, literally speaking, because if you look at the southwest of France, you know, there's this big area where uh, the, 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 the Toulouse Football Club footprint uh, is very strong. There are a lot of counties, the equivalent of counties in, in the UK uh, and, and, and the whole of region supporting Toulouse, Toulouse Football Club. Uh, so taking 25,000 plus fans to Paris, to the Stade de France, was huge. And then getting into Europe for the first time since the, since the 2009-2010 season is, is big as well. You know, we've been building up, building up, building up the club since, since we took over in, in July 2020. Obviously, we had some plan and vision to get into Europe at some point, but not that early. So the fact that we won, we actually won two trophies in two years because we were uh, League Two champions last year and then winning the cup this year. I'm not sure if exceptional is the right word, but it will come close to that. And tell me, what did you do to celebrate and how long were the celebrations? I, uh, I imagine you were sport for choice in the uh, beautiful southwest of France. Yeah, actually, it might sound strange, but we celebrated a lot more last year. The beauty of getting promoted and then a few days later, or a few weeks later, winning the league 
means you celebrate it twice. So we did twice, three or four days of celebration last year. This year it was uh, the final, obviously the final was in Paris. So we had some good celebrations in Paris, but unfortunately we, we, we uh, had the league game uh, 68 hours after after the time we left the, the changing room in the Stade de France, we played Lance at home. So there was some celebration that night after the game, but not the crazy celebration that we 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 went through last year. Uh, but still, it was it was great. Well, hopefully, uh, many more crazy celebrations to uh, to come in the future, Damien. <laughs> we are good at this in the south of France, as you know. We know how to we know we know how to celebrate and how to party. And Damien, of course, your job is not done. Last summer, you said that you turned the ship maybe 60% on the cultural front. How close are you to achieving the remaining 40%? Hmm. It's a good question. And it's a question we are, we are asking to ourselves on a regular basis. So interestingly, once we, we qualified we, we, we qualified for the cup final, we won the semi-final in, in Nancy, the word around was... You know, or be, even before that, when we qualified for the semi-final, the word around was, okay, you have to take us to the Stade de France because, you know, it's a legendary venue in the history of French sports. Uh, you have to take us to the Stade de France. We've never been to the Stade de France. And then, and then I lost it. And I said, look, if you want to go to Paris, I'll pay you a weekend and you go, you take your missus to a theater or something to watch a play. If we go to Paris, if we want to win the, start of, in the the cup, we are not going there just to visit the Stade de France. So the perception, and you were talking to this 60-40 uh, split, and, and the perception around the community was still, we go there, it's great to get into the final, basically. And, and our message within the club straight away was, we are not going into a final, we are going to win a cup final. So that we... That's where we understood, we knew, but we understood that we still had work to do in terms of, of, of turning the ship around. I think we came a long way to go from Toulouse in two words to to win. Toulouse in two words in English, obviously, to to win. Uh, we, we still on our toes because we think at any point in time it can come back. And in the time post, post cup final, leaving the last game out of it, which was three days after. And the players did party a lot more than we do. We did so uh, the, the, the last game, you know, as I said before, 68 hours after the cup final uh, ended was a difficult one. But so if we put this one aside, we felt there are games that we could have won or should have won. And we lacked this, this edge, you know, this, this cutting edge, this winning mentality at times. And then we could have, we should have got more points. We should have finished higher than 13th uh, in the table. Uh, everyone says, you know, well done for staying up, but we're not interested in staying up. We never ever mentioning staying up. We say we want to finish as high as possible, but you can't, you could feel that the team and, and maybe not the player, but the team was kind of, of, of shrinking in its ambition to finish as high as possible once we, we won the cup. And hence the frustration, because our metrics were saying that we should have finished somewhere between 10th and 11th, and we finished 13th. And it's the first time since we bought the club that we underperformed, and this I hate. I really, really hate. Which shows that you know, the, the cultural transformation is not, is not done yet. We, we went, we, we've gone a long way, but, but not enough. Uh, but then, interestingly, at the same time, 
But we've noticed is we win most of the youth tournaments we get into. We we won on the same weekend last weekend. We won one of the biggest tournaments, some of the biggest tournaments in Europe in the 13th and the 14th, uh, quite easily. And that mentality uh, of of changing the culture from to lose to to win is like spreading through down to down to the under eight, I would say. So it, it's an interesting process. But still a long way to go. <laughs> you readily admit that. And I mean, there's an element of frustration, even as you discuss some of the achievements of the past few seasons. And we know there are a number of clubs across Europe who have risen on the back of smart investment, but have since fallen back into the pack. What's going to stop Toulouse being a flash in the pan? That's a very good question, because uh, after the, after when I spoke to the press the day after the, the, the night of, after the cup final, the night of the cup final, I said there is an, an expression in English. There is a saying in English who say, you know, is it a one season one wonder? Talking about a player, and I said this in English to French journalists, so they they looked at me bizarrely uh, or strangely, and then I, I said we don't want to be a club which is a one season wonder, uh, and we have a clear vision which was we we started uh, so Selina and Julien. Uh, started to work on probably around September, September, October 2022, where we said, okay, what what vision do we define and what planning, strategic planning we put in place to get into somewhere around the top six or top seven or league one in on the first to be to be able to compete for those places from the first of July 27 uh, and then get into Europe. So the get into Europe part obviously came four years earlier and we won't complain about it. We are very happy. But but that vision and that strategic planification we are we are defining throughout the club on the business side, on the commercial aspect, on the football side has been going on. And I think if there's something we did and, and we stick to since we bought the club is is define a vision. And then and then once we define the vision, we kind of try to put everything in place to make sure we deliver this vision. For us, the way it's just winning the cup and getting into Europe as early as we as we did, you know, in the, in, in, on the 1st of September 2020, we were bottom of League Two with one point after three games. On the 1st of September 2023, we are going to play Europa League group stage. And so in, in, those, in those three years, it was like dramatic, dramatic changes. So it's like a blip, the Europe winning the trophy. So it's like a very, if you do a graph, it's a very high. And then we are going to come down because we are not going to be in Europe every year, at least for a few years. But we are not going to come down at the bottom. We are going to come down, but stay at a very good level. And that's the vision we are going to deliver. And every stakeholder in the club is working on that very hard. You know, what I, what what players do we recruit at under 12 and 13 who then can become players that can take the club in Europe in in five years, basically, because our young best young players start to play, they are 18, 19. So that vision is kind of broken down in every area of the club. And and so that's one one part of it. And then we've got this constant obsession of of improving, progressing, innovating, and that's on a daily basis. Uh, where can we find competitive advantage? We are constantly talking about this. 
So our culture is competitive advantage. Our playing style is a competitive advantage. Our recruitment process, the use we, we the way we use data, the way we prepare for games, using data again. We are constantly, constantly, constantly trying to find competitive advantage on the opponent. And I think with this mindset, then the progression will keep going, you know. It's not going to be a flow. I was about to say to say a flow because we know it can be, you know, it can be more bumpy than a flow, a regular flow. But we are really obsessed with those aspects, and I think that's one that's going to keep us to make sure we are not one season wonder, basically. Damien, today we're also joined by your truth teller, Sal and I, who we will hear from shortly. As we all know, sometimes the truth hurts. So what do you do when that happens? Sometimes I say you're right. Sometimes I say uh, I don't agree. But then I think about it more. And most of the time I, I do agree. Most of the times I do agree. I, I think it's not something I was... So for instance, for instance, when I was at Spurs, a sporting director, I think I was 32 or turning, going on to 33. It doesn't seem like it was very young. It's not something... I think I was too young. I, I was too young to have this kind of approach. But at the same time, I know that was something I missed at the time to do a, a better job than what I did. So I think it comes from experience. I think it comes from finding the right person. I think it comes from... Getting, I, I totally went away from the, the, the one-man band situation where one person does everything and this and makes every decision i i definitely believe in the wisdom of the crowd and the more people the more we are to make decisions the more the better we are at making those decisions we are currently we've been working during the season with our sports psychologists on group dynamics so how can we be better as a group in how we communicate how we how we interact and the group can be the board, can be the coaching staff, can be our strategic committee. The better we function as a group and the and the more good and wise decisions we will make. So coming back to your point, I think it comes from yeah, really finding the right person, having the, the, the desire to have this type of setup and being wise enough to, to listen, you know, even when it hurts. And is that something, as you mentioned there, that is kind of being baked into the organisation as a whole? So you mentioned you had a session with a sports psychologist and other sort of stakeholders during that meeting. Is that something which is happening continually at the club? Are you having those discussions, those meetings to ensure that, I guess, you're better equipped when it comes to decision making? Constantly. We are constantly questioning ourselves to the point where it, it can be tiring to work with us or for us because we never stop. But it's one point that Selena has made earlier, earlier last season, I think, which she said, we need to have people who are self-driven. We cannot push them constantly. So when we recruit people, we need to make sure they are self-driven and want to constantly improve and innovate. So we are both data, we have both driven as a club and as individual, as a group, I will say, as a club and as a group, but to, to, to fill this fire, we need people who are self-driven as well. And, and we are lucky to have those people in key, key positions at the club. Therefore, therefore we never stop. We, ne we never stop. When we see a scientific paper coming out and, 
and we think it's going to give us an edge, well, then we go for it. When we see somebody who, you know, I was saying we spend tens of thousands of euros on, on bringing in a consultant on penalties because I read an article that the guy did, or the, this, this person who is a friend of Ida's, by the way, who, who he gave an interview on CNN, and then we were getting into the semi-final and potentially the final. And I'm thinking there is no way we are not going to take this on board. So he, he did four or five sessions, I think, with the players, the coaching staff, the analyst, with Julien, the head of data. And we went into the semi-final totally prepared. And we went into the final totally prepared on how to take penalties, the body language of the players, when to pick the players, the body language the coach should have. The amount of work we went through was was fascinating. And, and then obviously we... That was bound to happen. We we conceded two penalties. They scored both, and we didn't kick one in two games. <laughs> but that's to show you the mentality we had. That that is constant. It's constant, and that's why sometimes if you are not self-driven, it's tiring to work for us or with us. A fitting note on which to end. I think, Damien. Thank you very much indeed for for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We've heard from you, Damien, but now it's time to get to the real truth. So, Sel and I, what's it like to work as a truth teller for Damien Camoli? <laughs> it's it's great experience because I learn, I think, every day, every moment. Uh, to, the first thing I learned from Damien is to, to be a leader. And then uh, upon my experience, if you... I'm, I'm speaking club. I don't speak. I don't want to speak about you know companies. But in a club, if you don't have leader, you, you are nothing. So the first thing I'm learning from him is is to, is to be be a leader. But every leader, you know, sometimes sometimes they they just think they they have all the power. They can decide on everything. So they are sometimes losing the point or they don't see the small details which can make big impacts. Then I am here. But I'm not sure every leader accepts those kind of people around them. And I'm not sure personally I can be with any leader because they need to be open uh, to take it. Damon is one of them. So I feel really lucky to, to, to work with him. And I think we are kind of matching professionally. Sal and I, I'm going to be open with you now. You're the first truth teller we've had on this podcast. <laughs> Tell me, we're keen to get under the skin of what a truth teller does. What What does your role entail? I mean, do you put that on your business card that you're a truth teller? No, no. It's the, the, when they even use it for the first time, the people start to start to reach me, try to reach me, and as what I do. But in, if I so, I'm touching so many things because if you need to. Tell the truth. You need to touch everything. Almost he's doing or he's deciding. But uh, if if I need to summarize, I'm in the like uh, we have we, we have a, a strategic committee decides all, everything on the on the sporting side, uh, the, from hiring coach to structuring the departments, the how much money to to put on which kind of player, how many players, and uh, you know those kind of strategical thinking. Maybe not they you know one small thing day to day but the, the things can help club to to go forward in in medium to long term and sometimes it's it comes to the point it's like i'm i'm just challenging him for 
every decision he makes, sometimes it, it not logically, it, sometimes it's it's just so natural. I just want to even even I think he's is deciding the best way. I'm just trying to chase him a bit to to think differently because at the club thinking differently is our only way to to succeed. With 18 budget, we are trying to make it. Uh, you know, this this season it was to be top 10, as as Damon um, mentioned, and then we want to be in Europe in three years. Except that we we are we are already, but we want to be by the league ranking. So to do the things differently and looking from different different ang- angle is is the only way we can make it. You're always trying to provoke yeah. Damien potentially, yes, get him to get him to think differently, and uh, yeah, as I say, try and try and th- get him to consider things from different angles, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we, we can say this. Back to the conversation in a moment, but first a word about our main partners, Kaiser. For over 40 years, Kaiser has been at the cutting edge of the fitness industry. Kaiser Strength products utilize pneumatic technology and dynamic variable resistance, which allows the user to build strength at any speed. And it offers an unrivaled opportunity to work towards any training goal. Kaiser's cardio products are smooth, silent, compact, and designed with the user in mind. Built with Bluetooth integrated technology, the simplistic yet striking design offers unmatched user longevity. Simply put, Kaiser Equipment raises the bar in elevating human performance for everyone. If you'd like to hear more, then please get in touch with the leaders team, who will be delighted to introduce you to the right person at Kaiser. Alternatively, visit kaiser.com to find out more. And now, back to the conversation. And Selenai, what sort of tools do you use in your role? What helps you do your job on a day-to-day basis? Is it things like working groups or... Anything else that you have in mind? The first, first of all, uh, the the most important working group for me is is, is our strategical committee, as Damien mentioned. Damien, me, and Julian, who is going to be next after me, uh, our uh, head of data. Uh, it's, it's it's just incredible to be in in the group. So we, we are we are a group, but we are we are behaving like one body. This I really like. You know, everyone brings something different, and we can challenge. Sometimes, I'm telling things in my head and I'm thinking it's really stupid but I, I still say it loud and then suddenly it, it sparks uh, the fire and then it becomes a big idea I, I'm sure it's the same for uh, we never spoke about it but I, if I feel this I'm sure they are feeling the same and then we have um, code, what we call Kodir and sometimes in it sometimes not it's, it's the like executive committee of the of, of all, all the all club it's not only for our uh, sporting side, but business as well. And we we are just trying to. It's, it's like baby food, but we are we are just trying to build youth sport uh, within the club. And our mission would be the the the, the maybe truth teller to 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 Kodir, what we said Kodir, and then trying to find uh, small details, maybe. The project can be thought small, but can make big difference in the flood because sometimes it's the same like the situation. If you if you are at the very top, you don't see what's going on daily and what is affecting the, the club. And speaking of projects, how do you track and review the progress of a strategic project? If you could just pick one, can you tell us how you're measuring progress? 
I, I never thought about it, but for example, so my, my role, I have role on cultural transformation as well, this head of strategy and cultural transformation. So when we came, uh, the, the club has its own DNA, obviously, and then we try to understand what the club is based, based on. And then everyone at the club, we, we, we spoke, we, we had groups and worked on it. And then we had, uh, I think, 21 one-to-one interviews to, uh, to understand what is really going on in the club. I mean, not politically, I'm, I'm talking about culturally. Uh, what is this DNA? And then we, we found out things. I'm not going to go into details here, but... And then we said, okay, this is what we have. And then the, the, the top management has this vision. So this is what we have. We have the vision that we want, we know where to go. So take us from here to here by your project and you are free to bring anything. So we are now uh, end of the first cycle of this project and we call them Viola projects. We are, because our, it's, it's our color. We are at the end of this first session of this project uh, submissions, let's say. And then by, we had 50, 40, 44 projects and every day it's one more tick in, in, the, in the list. Uh, you can you can see the difference and then now everyone is thinking how day to day I, I can see everyone is thinking what can I do for the club for, uh, to take take us from where we were to, to go to the place we planned for and in your opinion is your role more about asking the right questions or finding the right solutions I think questions yes it's, it's a great summary of my job because I think the missing thing in football, uh, people are not asking questions. They just do, and then they don't think uh, long term. And to be able to think long term, you need to have right questions. If you if you think for today, because what 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 can say come comes across right today, most probably is not the the best for in for like two years, three years plan. And without without planning, without asking asking the question of how it's going to be and why. I'm asking why a lot in three years, four years, or in club's future in general. The things you do today is is not very meaningful. It's just you know covering your, your yourself for uh, for your era in your at, at the club, not for the future, not for the fans, not for the community, but it's for yourself the, the decisions you are making for. If you don't ask the right questions. Sel and I, I want to talk to you about data. Damien mentioned at the top of the podcast that Toulouse are a club that's at the forefront of data and innovation in Mm -hmm. football. So I'm curious, how does data feed into what you're doing as a truth teller? Actually, it makes things very easy for me because for me, so I'm head of strategy, but my background is really very analytic, mathematical and everything. So for me, the, 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 the numbers doesn't lie. Excel sheet doesn't lie, you know, uh, formulas doesn't lie. So it's it makes my, my job very, very easy. And time to time, you know, I'm human. Sometimes I'm saying, okay, data, say, data says this, but I'm really thinking different. And then it is where the, you should be very disciplined. It's the point you should be very disciplined uh, because, you know, uh, football is, is complicated, but very simple at the same time. So everyone, if you go to a village of, I'm from Turkey, so Turkey, someone has, has an idea about football. But if, if we think like this and if we lose the discipline about data, 
then you know you, you can never know which which direction it goes so it, it for me it helps massively to discipline myself and to discipline my role my department my leaders my staff so it's 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 making the life very easy i'm not recommending other clubs to do it because it's you know giving advantage to us but it, it makes the life very easy Selena, you keep that point. You you keep that point of difference. Don't be uh, sharing all your secrets to all the other clubs. <laughs> exactly. Selena, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Leaders Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. Julian, you're head of football data at Toulouse, so essentially you're the person that crunches the numbers. So if you were preparing a piece of data insight for Selena. How would you make that engaging and compelling? First of all, it depends on the topic we want to discuss. Uh, basically, what's what's our goal, where, where we want to go. And since we have a clear vision and working together for the, the last three years, it makes everything smoother at, 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 at this point in time. I have to say we are very well aligned in in what we expect from each other. So I can tell from, from now that I can go quick to the point, I would say. But mostly, when I talk to Selena, it's, it's, I, can, I can explain the mathematical, scientific aspect of it and then go to the conclusion, no, no, no issue. But it also depends on the audience, basically. So there, there are times where I go straight to the point and explaining and giving image or, you know, I'm not, I don't want to use the word shortcut, but in a nutshell, just explaining where we want to go and why we want to make this decision and not another decision. So try to be precise, but without too much weight on, on the message, I would say. And what sort of feedback do you get from the, the people you're presenting this information to? So what would Sel and I typically say to you? What does the, what does the process look like? Oh, it's always very open discussion. So uh, we have a question, basically, open question. I would gather data if I can get gathered. If I can gather data, I would crunch the numbers, build some models, get some insights. And I would provide uh, Selena and Damien with some, some insight, basically, and, and what I think should be the best decision or a good decision based on, on what I saw from, from data. And from there, it will be an open discussion. Are we comfortable with that? Did we cover everything? Can we, uh, have we covered every angle of, of the topic, of the subject? Uh, do we miss something? Do we need more data? Do we need better data? And we go from there. What feedback don't you like getting? Oh, I don't like getting no feedback. No feedback say. is bad feedback. Yeah. Julian, you use data to tell stories, but what stories can data not tell at this time? That's a good question. In our framework, I think that there are some topics we don't cover, uh, but it doesn't mean that we, sh- we couldn't or we shouldn't use data to even to get to, to new places, I would say. We have very thorough processes around recruitment, around around performance analysis, our own team, open analysis, collective uh, performance, individual performance, um, the way we want to work with the staff. So we have processed all of that and all of that is based on data because we want to make sure we we make decision, evidence-based decision, I would say. But in all of that, we could go deeper. uh, We could add some more layer of data. So I don't think there is a real topic in our operation that for which we cannot use any kind of data, I would say, to go fully sub- subjectively on any topic. 
it doesn't happen, I would say, in our setting. And your background is in aeronautical engineering. How has that influenced your workflows and processes at Toulouse? Is football still quite immature when it comes to its use of data? Yeah, I would say it's immature and it's, it's an edge for us. And I would say that what I brought from my previous life, let's say, is this kind of discipline you expect from putting in place processes, a work process, in a sense that let's, let's consider you're building, uh, you're assembling an aircraft, you're not, you're not going to change overnight your idea of how to do that because you have, uh, you have tests, you have data about efficiency, about the way the structure reacts under some kind of constraint. So, so you need to build the aircraft in one way to make it efficient. And you're not going to change overnight because some people think, oh, maybe we should try this or maybe we should change that. Or I think, no, we have data to make decisions. So this discipline, that is something that really helped uh, help me build the process here uh, at the club. And it's been said in some quarters that Toulouse's approach to data is akin to the use of Moneyball in American baseball. Is that accurate? Does such a term frustrate you? What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, get, I get the point uh, in the sense that we want to make evidence-based decision because the idea is to be consistent. And again, I'm, I'm going back to the discipline that it requires. And in that regard, I think we are very close to what was depicted in, in, in the book back in 2003 in the sense that, yeah, be disciplined and then you create consistency within your process, within your team. So I think, I think it, it relates. And how do you feel when you can see your work having an impact at Toulouse? So first thing, since I'm, or, um, my roots, my family roots are from the region here, the first thing is pride, I would say, because I also relate to the club for, for years. So yeah, I take some pride of working specifically uh, at this club, definitely. But also seeing all the impact uh, our work has for all these people for, for the club itself, the way the club is seen, the, the image the club is, the image of the club is changing in the, in the right way. It's, it's really, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to, to be part of it. But on the other end, we know it's only the beginning as well. So the vision in, in, in some way we're not done yet. So we want to push that even, even, yeah, further. Julian, I want to delve a little bit deeper into some of your work, if I may, could you Pick one example that springs to mind where your work, the data uh, that you've overseen, collected or ha have found, has made a positive impact on the pitch. Could you pick one example and sort of take us through how one sort of conclusion you were able to draw positively translated to success or was rewarding on the field? Yeah, there are many because, as I mentioned, I'm involved in recruitment. So basically, most of the players who are on the pitch now went through recruitment, apart from the kids from the academy, obviously, but all the players recruited went through this kind of process. There are a lot of examples when we discuss with the staff around what is the right decision to, to be made about, uh, I don't know, playing this player or, or resting a player on a specific day because we had data of saying, oh, maybe he's at risk, so, at risk or so put him aside. So all of that is happening on a daily basis, basically. But it, there was one example a couple of, of seasons ago where in a pre-game, uh, we saw from data that the open goalkeeper was slow to go on the ground to his right. 
and it was a tough it was a tight game nil nil after an hour and at some point we have uh, one of our midfield who got the ball at the edge of the box and he thought about that and it it he, he, he took a shot uh, right hand of the keeper on ground and he scored uh, so that was fun because at the end I I didn't put much I I didn't thought too much of that in the game I was just happy we scored but at the end of the game in the locker the player came and say hey look we thought we remember I mean he remember at this point what 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 was in the pregame presentation and he tried it and it worked so that was that was an example good example are there any examples where you've tried things that haven't worked or have even backfired? Yeah, same. There's been, all, uh, I would say, a lot as well. Uh, but it's also part of, you know, doing things differently, be, being innovative. You have also have to accept failure. So I would say we have a lot of different, from micro failure to bigger failure. Even and if I take the recruitment, uh, we have we have some some. Uh, we have recruited some players who, who, who've done tremendously well and some players who also had some trouble to adjust. But I can't think, maybe maybe I'm biased towards uh, being positive, but I can't think of a very specific example on that. Toulouse is known as a rugby town, Julian, given the club's pedigree in the top 14 and in European competition. But tell me, are the winds changing? Will Toulouse be a football town in the future? To start with, I would, I would say that it's uh, what, is happening at Stade Toulouse is an is an inspiration for us, so it's great to be seated right next to this kind of big team uh, in, in in a sport that is rugby. It's it's really good for us to to have a lot of discussion about how they work, what are the standards. We had a lot of discussions that helped us. Um, but on the other end, I would say yes, Toulouse maybe is a is a rugby team at this point, but the region around Toulouse has always been and will still be a football region. It's, it's a vast region. We have a lot of people coming from all the region at every game. And you can see now, we, I think we ended up the season with, I don't know, 24,000 people in stadium. And uh, I think most of them come from around Toulouse, not only Toulouse. So it's also, it's also a, a good thing. And I think in the future, yeah, it will still be that way. And we are doing everything we can for, for it to be that way as well. Well, Julian, maybe we'll have a conversation this time next year and maybe the, the winds will be changing even more and the, uh, the, the football side of things will dominate and increase um, as they're kind of currently going in the right direction. Julian, that's all for now. Thank you very much for joining the Leaders Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me.